You're listening to the All In Podcast with your hosts, Shane and Blake, giving you a new perspective on the dental industry. Are you ready to go all in? Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Welcome to the All In Podcast, the podcast that brings you a new perspective on the dental industry. I am one of your hosts, Shane McElroy, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Blake McClellan. How are you, Blake? Refreshed. Recharge the batteries. From what, my friend? Come on now. Like, you don't even know. Like, dude, between DIA, Greater New York, I think I went to, actually, I went to see uh, Salive in California. Like, yeah, I just finished a world tour. I'm back home, been home for a few days. Even got an IV from the guys at Atlanta Dental Spa. Life is good. <laughs> that was kind of funny, man. I like for real. He like Blake for real was getting an IV right before we were doing like this course with Andrew Curry because he was so hungover. And that was like two or three days later after he got home. It was like two days post DIA. Yeah. So the I walked in just to come check it out, and like you got uh, who was Jason Hamilton. He was like. Uh, bro, you need some fluids. You need to sit down. Just sit down. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> I know Bolden sitting there looking like, what are you shooting him up with? <laughs> like, don't worry about it, Pete. Don't worry about Man, it. Man, DIA took it out of me. I didn't eat most of the time because during the day, you're just so chaotic running around. And so, like, I think I ate maybe half lunch every time. And, you know, then you're out all night and up early. It wasn't like payment where I got to sleep in until nine every day. <laughs> Dude, I had a lot of fun at that meeting, man. Uh, the podcast, we had some really good recordings. We'll be popping out some episodes, although you will hear those before this one. So, kind of, I think those superlatives were great. That was like everybody was always like the first off the bat, first one to miss yoga, Perry. 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 And uh, I had a lot of fun doing that one. And all the all the founders of DIA were really fun to have on that. Even, even you were all right, I guess. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Yeah, I don't even remember it. It kind of browned out, you know? It was like. <laughs> On a full blackout, but I just—I mean, I'm—I'm—I miss most of it. Yeah. Well, uh, you ready for Christmas yet? It's coming up in a few days. Yeah, dude. Well, you know, back home, so I'm finally starting my Christmas shopping. So a little late to the game, but I think it got all done. How about you? You got kiddos and stuff, huh? Well, well, you know. So I got to tell a story. Um, I've got two kids. <laughs> one's Wyatt; he's six, and the other I one's feel like such a piece of shit for this story right now, though. Let me chime in on that. Hang on, this was <laughs> awful. I wish Lacey, my wife, would have recorded this. She's like kicking herself for not doing it. But we were in the car when this happened, so go ahead. You know, I got my older son Wyatt. He's been great all year. He's just a sweet little boy. And then we have Ethan, who is just—he's a terrorist. Like he's good-looking, smart, funny, but he's three, and he's kind of a dick sometimes. And he's just been horrible the last week, just like horrible. And like, we got the elf on the shelf, try to threaten him with that. Nothing. Like he thinks it's fun to be a smart aleck and just not listen. And, uh, I don't know where he gets that from. It's probably his mother. Um, but <laughs> I was like, listen, man, I texted Blake. And I'm like, Blake, I need you to pretend to be Santa Claus and just tell my kid he might be getting on the naughty list. So I call Blake up and uh, ho, 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 it's Santa Claus. And then Ethan just breaks down, starts crying, man, like just loses his shit, dude. Because uh, he knows he's how bad he's been acting. And Blake gets on there like, oh, little boy. And, and didn't you almost lose it? Like you you, you kind of said one word out of character. And I'm like, oh, Santa. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, it, it, basically you call in and he's already you could hear it. the moment I answered, he just starts, the waterworks start coming. And I'm like, oh my God, I wasn't prepared for this part. I'm trying to figure out how to sound like Santa Claus and get the elf's name right and stuff. So yeah, I was, it was just to be off basis. And Lacey's like, her heart's melting, you know, beside me. She's trying to be quiet. 
Oh, so, he, I mean, he was just losing it, crying. It was like oh, so bad. being his dad, though. I'm like, good. Cause you, and then when like, I complimented your other son, cause you said he's been good, I complimented Wyatt, and I'm like, oh, but you know, Wyatt, you've been a really good boy. Then he loses it again. He's like, oh, <laughs> oh no. Uh, but I got to say, man, he has been a freaking angel the last two days. So thank you very much. He is back on the nice list for the moment. We'll see if he can make it till Christmas. So we said that to say that I'm now offering that service uh, Easter. Uh, we also do Halloween, Christmas, and uh, any other uh, non-traditional holidays we will accept as well. It's <laughs> mere $50 per call. Just contact me through Instagram. And if you pay him 100 he'll dress up like a – terroristic Easter bunny and come show up at your kid's window and scare the hell out of me. I'm like Taco from uh, The League. <laughs> yeah, dude. Speaking of The League, and I'm so glad you brought that up, uh, what happened in your last playoff game in the, the podcast? All right, all right. Let's playoff. get this over with. All right, Shane beat me. You beat me by like three points, mm-hmm. all right? It was during like DIA week. I don't even count as a win. There's an asterisk next to your win, so it doesn't even really count. I'll take the asterisk. Whatever. What about the win before that that I beat you? I was uh, I was I was in another. I think I was in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually like, as we're doing this podcast, I'm sitting here looking at my phone because like I'm in two different league. One league I can win like a lot of money, um, but the one I really care about is our league, and I'm playing Daniel from Neodem right now, and it's like neck and neck. I think. Hold on, it looks like he's he's like projected a couple points ahead of me, so we'll see. And my wife is. The giant killer. She's already killed the one seed. Now she may kill the two. So my wife may, may win the championship. I don't know. That right. happens every time, man. Someone's wife comes in and ends up freaking sandbagging and win the whole damn league. It's ridiculous. It's, it's just it's ridiculous. I'm over it. I'm getting I'm getting into a new sport. I'm gonna have a goldfish or something. I'm I'm over this shit with oh, fantasy. Goldfish league? What are you talking about? No, I'm gonna get a goldfish. I'm gonna some uh, other hobby than fantasy. I'm over this shit. It's, quite a hobby. it's, it's not good for my psyche. All right. Well, let's get into this now. The in that we talked about Santa Claus and fantasy football and everything else. Um, that's pretty much par for the course for our podcast. Why don't you bring in our, our guest for today? He was actually a speaker at DIA. I'm excited to have him. So Nader and I met uh, through Instagram, like most everybody. Of my, that's my friends now. Um, I'm a typical millennial. But Nader and I met about three years ago, I think, through Instagram. I mean, very early on when I was starting the Implant Compare Instagram, he was starting his surgical gourmet um, Instagram, and I think his name was different at the time. He'll have to ch- chime in when we bring him in to tell us that. But he's he's an oral surgeon out of uh, Southern California. He's in Orange County, Mission Viejo. So we started working together, and I actually did some live surgeries with him very early on. And this dude's awesome, man. It, it's it's very rare that I make a close friend in this business, and 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 Dr. Nader Salib has become a close friend. Like I just go to L.A., we just hang out. My wife loves him. They're like, well, my wife's cooking has elevated to a whole other level uh, since they've become friends now, and she follows him on Instagram and all that stuff. But you know, he's just a—he's a really talented guy and understands what's happening and the changes in dentistry, but also has a lot of this old school knowledge and experience. But you know, he's kind of this hybrid in a sense. I mean, the guy does zygos and he also does his own three D printing and. Uh, a little bit of everything. And so I, I just, I'm very fond of him. We, he came back to DIA for his second year. He, he gave another lecture. I believe he's a KOL with Nobel BioCare. Um, I mean, I know he does a lot of speaking for them. So, uh, and then some other organizations and, and companies and very talented guy, good friend. And I'm excited to have him on because I want to talk to him about, you know, his side of speaking and stuff. But I also think it's going to be valuable to talk to him about uh, his cooking skills because dude, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's fucking crazy how good of a cookie is. I got to get on some of that. 
Dr. Salib, we welcome to the podcast. Gentlemen, long time, uh, long time listener, first time interviewee. Thank you for having me <laughs> on. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, really. <clears throat> I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the previous episodes, yeah. You messaged us a few times too about like liking the podcast. I, and this is when we first started. And I like texted Blake. I'm like, dude, Surgical Gourmet is like, he listening. It's crazy awesome. Because I met you, or I actually didn't meet you, but I heard you lecture at DIA, um, the first DIA on uh, All NX Complications. And I'm like, damn, this guy knows his shit. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, when All NX goes XX, that's what it was. I love that title. Yeah. And, and it was a really good lecture. I was sitting there with Andrew Curry and just going back and forth. I'm like, damn, dude, this is, this is dope. Like, and it's like the most needed topic. So I'm stoked to have you, man. And we got to meet in person at uh, DIA 2.0. I know. I was really happy to finally meet up. It was a pleasure. Uh, yeah, for sure. Really enjoyed meeting you. So let, tell everybody, you, you just got done lecturing at DIA. What was your lecture on this time? So my lecture uh, this time at DIA was not on the main stage. It was more uh, of a hands-on topic uh, with suturing. And uh, it was entitled Cut and Sew with the uh, Surgical Gourmet. And uh, we had some models. It was a hands-on event. Uh, people got to suture, practice like different techniques. We made some sticky bone. And, um, and we made it fun with everyone. We played really good music. And whoever had the best suturing uh, technique, actually won a bottle of wine and second place got a bottle of scotch. So, so not your typical hands-on course, but, um, but nothing really is a DIA. Which, what, which, you know, what's funny is we're actually considering for 3.0. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but we're probably, we may get rid of the main stage. We may have like a keynote open up each day, Yeah. but we're talking about moving it to more, just all breakouts because those are such a hit. And everybody really likes this, like, like a pathway learning type in a sense, where you take your, your track plan and you follow this schedule. But our breakouts are crazy. I mean, yours was at four thirty or four o'clock in the afternoon, and it was packed full of people. Four o'clock on Saturday. On Saturday, one hour before, like everyone wants to go home and change and get ready for the party afterwards. And yeah. uh, in Scottsdale, by the way. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is too, is most people would just leave and go home, right? Like most people do, we don't, you know, we're kind of non-traditional with that sense of having that party, but four o'clock on the last day is probably one of the worst spots. It's the worst, the absolute worst spot. Yeah. You and um, uh, Rolando, oh, I mean, pack full rooms. Yeah. Uh, Beers and bonding with Bisco. And then you had, so we had a a, a, a materials and bonding and stuff in in one room and they were drinking beers and all that. And then yours, they're doing suture and surgical kind of stuff. So it, it was amazing that we really hit that right that like people, if the content and the speakers are good, they're going to stay the whole time. And it's just things that most conferences miss that. Well, and let me ask you a question, Dr. Sleep. We're talking about DIA 3.0, where you may get rid of the, the main stage or whatever. Let me ask you this two questions in one. When you're speaking, what do you prefer? Do you prefer a smaller group or do you prefer like a, a main podium kind of thing? And let's flip that on the other side. When you're attending a meeting, which way do you learn better with the main podium or like a smaller kind of breakout session? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, when I've lectured, <clears throat> so the largest lecture I've, I've, I've had, you know, the pleasure of speaking at was in, was in China a couple of years ago. And um, they said it was like a small conference and 8,000 people showed up, which is like unbelievable. And, and that was awesome. And that's like, and that's such a thrill. That's such a rush, you know, to be able to like deliver to, you know, such a large audience. But then you also see the other, the other courses where it's like, 
you know, more focused, more interactive, more one-on-one sort of training. Um, I did a program with Nobel a couple months ago on their on their zirconia implant, and that was nice because we got to you know play with the models and you know have interaction and you know all in all, as much as you know the big crowds are like so stimulating and you know exhilarating, I'd rather just do a smaller course one on one because ultimately you want to be able to take what you learned at a course and implement it Monday in your practice. I mean, really, really, that's that should be the whole point of going to like these classes, unless you're just kind of taking like a sort of like a broad, a broad scope view as to what, you know, you want to learn. Um, well, unless you're taking like a, a, a guard course or something, then it's really just to get down to Miami and have a good time too. Right. 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 And, that's, and, that's, and that's the other thing, you know? So when you talk about these types of courses, um, people always ask, what's the most important thing you have to convey to your audience? And one person had said, you know, you've got to give them confidence to just do it on Monday. My answer is no, because maybe some people shouldn't be doing this on Monday, right? And, um, you know, and again, without mentioning names, you know, and, you know, in a disparaging way, but there are courses out there where you're going to go to a certain city because it's a great time and they're going to tell you, you can do it, go ahead and do it. And you really shouldn't, you know, but, you know, courses are so different now. You know, you have online you have hands-on, you have like the big shotgun approach. If it's a big shotgun approach or like just kind of like a main stage, um, those are really good if you go to something focused. Like if you go to like AO and you're just on the main stage and you're kind of getting like the very best of the best from everyone and you can kind of just sit there and take it all in. Or if you're going to like the UCLA symposium where they're focused just on one topic and you can just sort of sit there and again hear everyone kind of elaborate within that. How long have you been speaking? So I've been, so my speaking, my speaking career is very untraditional. <clears throat> and what I mean by that is um, when I had finished residency, I was actually offered a job back at my, at my university to take over like facial trauma as part of like a new trauma team. And, um, and I always knew I was going to get back into academia somehow, teach somehow, um, you know, did a lot of research back in dental school, won some really prestigious awards. Um, but, you know, for me, the whole lecturing thing for private companies kind of just fell to me, you know, as, as much as like, you know, it's so weird to say it kind of did, you know, the, um, my story is unique. You know, I was doing guided surgery using, um, Nobel clinician, like for the last eight, 10, eight years since I opened up my practice. And, um, Back then, six years ago, the guides were printed in-house. You'd have to have them made. And they were made through your lab, but not in America. They were made in Zurich, right? So mm-hmm. everyone from Nobel BioCare knew who ordered, like, a guide because no one was ordering, right? But, like, you'd be on Monday and, you know, there would be an order from Salib. And Tuesday, a second order from Salib. And Wednesday, there'd be, like, two orders. And they were like, who's this guy, Salib? He's literally, like, the only guy ordering, like, so many guides. And um, so, you know, backtrack, it's 2014. I'm in my practice. I'm single, not married. Wait, 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 wait. Touch on where you're at, though, and your practice. Where where was your practice at? So my practice opened up eight years ago from scratch um, in Mission Viejo. I have a a green, eco-friendly practice utilizing, you know, an an enormous amount of high technology and a lot of toys, if you will. 
But philosophically speaking, I'll only incorporate the toys and the technology if it can consistently lead to a better result for patient care. Right. Which keep in mind, like, um, let me paint the picture here because he's like totally underselling it. All right. So he's in Mission Viejo and you go in OR1. And if your patient's sitting down, you see this big, huge glass window pane right in front of you. Essentially, you know, the wall is almost all window. And then you see this hill, these rolling hills of Orange County where average home is probably what, 10, 12, 15, 20 million. I mean, that one mansion at the top of the hill looks like a, a It's a nice mansion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Monopoly Boardwalk. <laughs> it's a solid, it's a solid <laughs> mansion. It's not yeah. your typical starter clinic either. You know, this guy thought it through and like, you know, I, I don't want him to undersell that here because like that is a big part of this story because I mean, dude, holy shit. I mean, you're in Orange County. You're getting, you know, housewives and celebrities and billionaires, millionaires everywhere left and right. And you're, you know, every day, no matter how bad your day is, you're turning back and looking at the hills of you know Orange County to motivate you. So, there. Blake, just a, a side note here, um, and Nader, you we actually talked about this on the phone the other day. I don't think Blake, you know, I actually lived out there for like a year and a half. So right out of college, I was selling copiers. My territory is like Laguna oh, yeah. Beach to like Irvine and San Clemente, like with a suit that from like Macy's that right off the rack that looked like my dad's suit and a tie, which nobody wears out there, by the way, selling copiers going door to door on the beach. But I will say it is gorgeous out there. In fact, what, Nader, what is the weather like out there right now? Because here it's like 40 rainy and nasty. Oh, it's cold here too. It's like 62 or something. What a yeah, dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. I can hear your California sunshine through the, through the conversation right now. No, thank you. I will say that the last five times I've been out there, it's rained at least one day I'm out there. And I think it rained two days out of the two years I live there. So I, I, I oh, got to be wow. careful. Yeah, it's it's bad. So I want to I want to shoot it straight. I mean, I I, I want to tell you from an outside perspective, kind of what it's looked like watching um, Doctor Salib or Nader. I'm going to call him Salib because that's just how I reference him all the time. Salib. So um, I watched Salib take this Instagram account of his and articulate it to being such a unique and almost disgusting <laughs> uh, genre of of Instagram and make it art. This guy started out posting bloody full arch cases, uh, severely atrophied maxillary cases that he's fixing, uh, you know, all kinds. I mean, a lot of extractions, all this stuff. And at the same time, the next slide is going to be him like tonight where he's making filet mignon and uh, black truffle gnocchi, I think is what you said. Whatever, risotto. Risotto, yeah. Risotto, yeah. So you ha- how are you – what made you want to start that? Because I think that's part of this process here because now you're becoming – you're an, you're an obviously an influencer in the dental field, but now it's less about these you fitting into an education program and saying, hey, these companies go, they look for KOLs all the time. The model was, let's just go somebody who's been a customer for several years or, you know, and, and we like the way they, they play ball. We're going to make them a KOL. You pretty much said, I'm going to teach. And then they said, can we support you? And, and, and I think that's kind of what's happened big, a big time in this social media uh, paradigm shift here is. Now these brands are going, okay, how can we support you and endorse you and have you guys, you know, validate us as a brand by saying, hey, this is who I work with versus going in and just saying, hey, I want to play by the rules. I'll be your KOL. What, what was the thought process? Take us through what you, what, when you created the genre and then how it segued into this educational platform of you being like this, this KOL in the digital era. So I was doing the lecturing for Nobel and other companies before I started my Instagram account. But, but to your point, I think a lot of private corporations out there 
have changed their business strategy from just, um, you know, being present at shows and having like this big sort of like banner type of like presence and not seeing a whole lot of return versus saying, you know, we have all these young people who are using our product who can really expose our product to other customers that we can't really reach. Why are we spending our advertising money here when we should be going, you know, to, to, to the other side, you know, and, um, Dentistry has always been really slow as an industry to kind of follow up with the times. But I mean, the two of you guys know, everyone follows um, Gary, um, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, and there was like this video I posted like, like maybe a month ago talking about this where he like 10 years ago, he predicted, you know, you can have a job nine to five, go home, take care of your kids, put everyone asleep. And at night you can have, you know, your, your hustle, you know, your second income, your whatever. And the companies out there are looking to expose their products to the very best of their abilities. And this just happens to be a better vehicle for them to, to accomplish that goal. Now, well, don't you think it has to be much more authentic now? I mean, that, that's changed. For sure. For sure. And if you look at, so if you look at advertising, let's, let's look at LeBron James. LeBron James is like, the person who I always love to use in like, you know, whatever I like, I have these discussions and like lectures about social media and whatnot. He's sponsored by Nike. He has his $1 billion uh, contract. Great. He's not making like those old school commercials like Michael Jordan, you know, and Spike Lee. Is it the shoes, Morris? You know, he's not doing that. He's taking a picture on Instagram. LeBron 17's drop tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. Different. It's authentic because he wears he wears Nike. He is Nike. You say Nike, you think LeBron. You think LeBron Nike. It's a natural fit. It's it's authentic. I gotta say something. I actually think, think Taco Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to patent that, like since we're trademark. He needs right? to open up like a Mexican it's restaurant. A, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. All right, to parlay that what you just said. Let's look three years, five years, seven years down the road. And let's say that this influencer model takes takes hold, right? And branding yourself and owning, you know, the influencers kind of building brands around them or the brand saying, all right, look, we'll customize our brand to you like Nike has done with LeBron or what sure. they did with Jordan. Do you see implant companies doing the same? Like if you look at the Strawman BLX play, you know, their whole thing is having Bedrosian. He made the switch and they've got him wor- literally working at the booth in a sense, talking about the whole BLX design and everything. So it's kind of, I think, a little step in that direction in a sense. Do you see the industry adopting more of that? I think, I think they already have. Um, I had dinner last Monday night with the new president of Nobel BioCare for North America. And, um, and she just as much said that matter of factly to me, you know, it's, it's about having a consistent message, you know, sort of like the base or the skeleton, like these are our products. This is, you know, the specs of our products. And then from there, you can add your twist onto it. You know, don't, don't change sort of like dogmatically what we're about, but again, your, your spin on it, what you're doing with this product We'd love to see that. We'd love for you to sort of like promote that. Yeah. And I think it's kind of flipped. Like we've talked about this before, but like, like the way you're, you know, at Surgical Gourmet got me was this, like, because not only are you showing implant cases and grafting cases and all that, you're showing, you know, 
what you're cooking and how you're doing this and your favorite foods. And a lot of people can connect with that. So they get to connect with you on a deeper level, which draws them closer to you. But for me specifically, like I'll be scrolling through posts. I always have to come back to yours because I don't know if I just, you know, you're flying through them. I'm like, shit, wait, was that sticky bone or was that some sort of like, I think I messaged you about that. I like, I thought you were cooking sticky bone. Like I had to like go back and check yeah, the yeah. post, man. So it's a great way to get people to come back to it or freak them out if they're not, you know, not in the well, dental you, field. You, you humanize your account and also kept it clinical. So that way it's not just an all dental page. It's not just an all clinical where people on Monday through Friday want to follow you. It's like they want to follow you on Sunday night too and know what you're making for pasta, you know, the pasta you're making by hand or something like that. Because I mean, like my wife, she hated following me and now she's you know finally starting to follow the implant compare a little more and stuff. But because of that, she's been desensitized to all the surgical stuff and she follows you like crazy. You're one of the few people that she likes to follow because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's like, I, I got to know what he's making. You've, you've stepped her cooking game up. I've sent, I've sent a few recipes to, uh, to Lacey. So hopefully, um, hopefully. Oh man, it's, it's awesome. She loves it. I mean, yeah, so perfect. kudos on you because you're tapping into an, an audience way broader, right? And, and, and that's where I think that you have a very valuable and significant account. Kudos to you. I mean, it's a great job. Thank I mean, you. So, I mean, ironically, the KOL path and the, um, the social media sort of exposure path were actually both influenced by, by both Bedrosians, um, ironically enough. Um, when I started off with, with Nobel, so getting back to, to the story, I was, I was the one ordering all these guides from Nobel. And there was this course going on in Las Vegas, Bedrosian Senior and Sklar, Zygomas, All on X. And uh, it's Friday morning. And my lab tech shows up, the one who I ordered all my guides from, because back then you couldn't print it out in your own uh, office. And he says, we got to go to Vegas. And I'm thinking Kelvin wants to party, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? He's like, no, 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 Nobel wants to meet you. I'm like, who's Nobel? What? He says, they want to know who you are. I've you know, told them about you. You're the only one who orders their guides. So we're going to Vegas. And I'm like, cool. You know, I'm not married at the time. When are we going to Vegas, Kelvin? Yeah, tonight. Yeah. What? All right, cool. You know? I'll pick you up at five. We'll meet at like John Wayne. We go to John Wayne and um, we go to, we go to Vegas. We get there midnight. We meet with some exec, uh, Mike Vandenkoek, who's now with Keystone Dental. And we sat at a bar from midnight to four o'clock in the morning. And I had an, an iPad up with a few photos of like how I'm using their guided surgery system. And I guess he was like really impressed, you know, cause uh, the next day we woke, we woke up. We weren't really planning on going to the course and everyone kept texting us like, you got to go, you got to go. And where are you? And we're like, wow, they're really keeping tabs on us. That night, um, we went out to dinner and then um, we meet up with Bedrosian Sr. And Bedrosian Sr. Was, was awesome. He met with us at the same bar from midnight to four o'clock and he kind of kind of gave us the best fatherly advice um, anyone, anyone can really give you, you know, trying to be a K- KOL, you know, he had just sort of laid it down and was very honest and I really appreciated. What did he say? You know, I'm interested to hear like what, go into that a little bit, if you don't mind. Why are you doing this? What are you hoping to get out of it? Can you get this any other way? Which is now the, the first thing I tell every, everyone who wants to like, Hey, I want to be a KOL. Hey, I want to be, you know, and they ask me for advice. And my first question is, the same thing Bedrosian told me. Why? Why do you want to be a KOL? What are you hoping to gain out of this? 
And can you gain this some other way? Because it really isn't all glamorous as, as you know, people, you know, falsely believe you're not flying first class, eating filet, traveling the world. Like that doesn't, that doesn't happen. You know, I clearly eat better at home when I cook for myself. Um, and I don't fly first class. I always pay for like any upgrade for economy plus for that extra like leg room. Um, but yeah, it's like, why? What are you hoping to get out of this? Are you in a solo practice, you know, practice? Are you a senior partner? Can you really afford the time to take off from your practice to do this? Because um, let's to be honest, you you would make more money practicing than you would. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because if you're looking for the financial gain, it's not it's not there. The old days of like you know the fat cats getting paid, you know, however many thousands to lecture and this like those days are gone. Those days are like. Way yeah, more. and that's what a lot of people don't realize. And you need to like get your mindset on that. Yeah, I think what you said is great. I mean, Dr. Bedrosian's advice was probably super clutch at that time too. To find that, I mean, it's just pivotal because you know you need to know what your agenda is so that you can serve it. It is not ever going to be profitability. It, the the days of getting equity and, and these companies and all that stuff and these big payouts and other rooms, it's dead. The ones that make the most money are the ones that form their own institute and bring it in-house, right? And they do it as their own program. They do like a fellowship or what it may be. But you're not going to get rich off honorariums. They're just not good. And they can't even legally do it. If you look at what happened with Zimmer Biomet back – well, it was just Zimmer at the time back in what the early 2000s or mid-2000s. It was uh, the Justice Department came in and just was put a halt to all of it. And that's when we started seeing the Sunshine Act and everything else. So it's just never going to – be more profitable than your time in your own. Thanks a lot, Zimmer. Now I can't pay for my buddy's uh, golf anymore. Appreciate that. (laughs) It truly is though. I mean, and and like the scrutiny that they live under as a medical company, I mean, and now now bio horizons is having to live under it with the Hindu shine, but I mean, it's, it's significantly different when the company's a medical company and they have that, that, area that gray area there it gets really serious i mean there's an actual algorithm that j and j and striker and them use to figure up a kol's worth so that they can justify based on the amount of publications they have amount of lectures they've done and things like that that they have to put like this actual valued number on them as a kol so they can pay them per hour in fairness most reputable companies do do that so so like for example with nobel they have a value on me you know, based sure. on based on my entire portfolio, my resume, my affiliations, my my credentialing, publications, blah 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 blah. But but most importantly, how profitable am I for them? And uh, and that's I think what ultimately you know determines your worth. You know, and one of the things that Bedrosian Senior had said that really stuck out to me was, you know, listen, I'm with Nobel and. Uh, Things are great, but if they can replace me for someone younger and cheaper and more effective, they will, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't think like he would ever say that. And um, he's no longer with Nobel, but he left Nobel for Stroman. He he didn't like it, get canned or anything like that. But um, very well, that was a big very, move. That was a big move for Stroman. That very, is literally the strategy right now. That is a huge move for Stroman. And so that 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 should tell you right there. If you're going into this and this is the path you want to take and you want support from a big company like this, it, it you, know, you don't sell your soul. Because if you sell your soul and you're doing something you don't believe in, people will be able to tell and you won't be profitable to that company. You've got to tell 
you got to sell products or not in a sense of tell the story of why you use these products and how they help you in your practice. And if it's a true story and it's authentic, then you're a game changer for that brand. And that's where Bedrosian's been, you know, for quite some time. And so when he went to, went to Strauman, I mean, it literally is their strategy right now. He's everywhere for them. They've got him going all, all over the world, lecturing and giving these, you know, meetups and stuff because he truly believes in it. And then and that's where he just has so much value, just like LeBron does to Nike. Sure. And I think for the I think and I think for the money, I think for the money they paid, they're also gonna make sure that, you know, you know, Dr. Bedrosian is, you know, prominent, you know, displayed everywhere. You know, they they have to. I mean, it's also a business move. To your point, Blake, authenticity cannot be understated. You must be authentic, you must be honest. Otherwise, you will not last. Speaking of lab techs, I was in Chicago a couple of years ago, and I remember I was out with my lab tech, and we were like going around, and he was talking to another lab tech, and he was approached by a guy, and he was about to give a talk, and the rep said, hey, your numbers aren't good enough, right? Meaning like, I used this product, and I saw an increase in sales of X amount, and he was like, no, you can't do X amount. That's like not enough. You got to exaggerate your numbers. He just told them why. And so I was like, I want to see what this guy says, right? So so I tell Kelvin, Kelvin, let's go, let's go to this talk. So we go to the talk and we're, you know, we're at this guy's lecture and he's talking. And I've been using this product. And since I've been using this product in one year over end, I saw an increase of 100% in sales. I'm like, Jesus, 100%. <laughs> I went for it. Like, yeah, he, he went all the way. And uh, I mean, that guy is is not is not on like obviously lecturing now, you know, who's going to believe him? You know, you may get duped once, twice, like, and that's, you know, and that's, you know, there's, there's, some, there's some like snake oil salesmen. There's like, and you see them, you see the ones who lie about their stuff. You see the ones who, uh, remember when you like ask a guy, how many chicks he's been with in college, you had to like divide by seven. Well, it's the same thing for surgeons. When you go, how many implants do you place? Right. <laughs> same exact thing. It's all, you know, it's just bullshit trying to show off. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, um, that's kind of an issue. Um, wait one second. I, I have a leak in my house right now. Oh no, no, it's okay. This, I just this is what podcasting here. is all about. You just put a just put a trash can under it. I did. I put a trash water. can. We're good. Yeah, we can continue. We're fine. If you got a toilet that's overflowed or something, you got to handle it, man. No, no, no. It's not, it's not. I have no idea what my what my kid did. Uh, <laughs> How old are your kids? Four and two. I, you know, while we yeah, were talking like five minutes ago, I did hear my wife scream. So um, I thought it was so mine. So you're in good company. It's all good. That's okay. <laughs> this, is, this is what you have to look forward to. And if I can hire you as a Santa, that would be awesome for my kids. Right? <laughs> <laughs> He's really, really good, man. It was worth every penny. Let, 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 let me just jump back into um, into Bedrosian Junior and in, in Instagram. Um, and I'll make it quick so we can like edit it nicely. Um, is that okay, or do you guys want to probably just leave this in, dude? It's a real deal. Who cares? All right, that's awesome. Um, so you know, to get back to to your point, Blake, about KOLs, I would divide it divide it into really like two types of individuals. There is one type who's really just a salesman. You know, you use the product; the product works well. You show off a few cases. You know, maybe you go to a trade show, something, whatever, fine. I don't really consider that as like a key opinion leader. 
I really look at someone as that as maybe like a partner within a company or someone, you know, who can kind of promote. Um, when you talk about KOLs, that's when you really start talking about people like Bedrosian Senior, people who have really like published, people who are, you know, more than just a salesman for for that product, but rather, you know, someone who's, whose opinion really, really, really matters. And um, I think we throw the words influencer, opinion leader, you know, too casually. Everyone wants to be an influencer. Um, you know, I mean, Jesus, just go on Instagram and everyone's claiming to be like someone prominent for, like, for no reason. You know? Well, okay, that's a good point. Like, I want to kind of give some basis to that. Look at this. I, th- I think it's terrible because I think a lot of these people actually text me when they got uh, the request packet. But this whole cool strategy by Sean, sure. right? Key online sure. opinion leader. That's their way to blanket KOL and, inf- and influencer in the same term put it into their little box that they like, right? If it's the, the way they, they love to have things in their box, they don't adapt. They want people to adapt to them. So you take that, what happens now, right? Cause that company is just using that to basically exploit their message out over a vast scale. Right. And cause they literally just did a shotgun effect and sent a bunch of invite packets to whoever would post about them and then took whoever actually did it. So how do brands actually preserve this fine line, if you will, or between you know giving someone that status of influencer or uh, a KOL? How do we preserve that integrity? I mean, yeah, and honestly, I, uh, Craig Miss just wrote an article on that too for the exact same subject of like it's he wasn't bashing like influencers on Instagram for like dental, but he was saying we got to be careful because. Well, anybody could put whatever information they want out there. You don't even have – there's no qualifications at all. So um, this is actually a huge topic right now. It's been an issue ever since the advent of the internet because now anyone can be a blogger. You know, you don't have to read a real newspaper for like, you know, real information where people were interviewed. Or this is a where, podcaster. Yeah, I mean, podcasting is different. You know, uh, <laughs> I've just messed it. No, but I, I'm just, I, I agree. I completely agree. And I, and I don't know that uh, I think the days of like integrity are gone. Once you leave pure academia for any, any amount of like corporate game. Right. So, so if we're going to just be really real about it, you can say, if you're in pure academia, fine, you're in your ivory tower, you're not being influenced, but you know, you are being influenced because corporate America is now involved in, you know, healthcare research more than ever. Well, as I was going to say, so how, how do these case studies start? They start with usually a KOL then it's suggested by the brand to help them get this product for this or whatever the study done, or it's a university who's been given a million dollar grant or whatever. So it still is influenced. You know, a lot of this information has still been influenced by the brand first. And the one thing that, look, it's a double-edged sword with this social media thing. I think the beauty of it is you're getting authenticity. You get transparency. People are showing their work firsthand through either photos, live streaming, whatever it may be. There's no fluff, right? No highlight, uh, real, no edits. They're selectively and, biased in what they are showing you. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So again, double-edged sword here, but it's less being driven by the company saying, Hey, like they went like the Kurt old model of, Hey, go to the school. We need these studies. We need these done. We'll give you all this money, make us look pretty on studies so we can use them. And now it's 
more coming from just somebody showing off their for their own self gain, right? Just their own personal branding, showing off their work. Maybe it's ego, maybe it's just hobby, whatever it may be. However, it's it, I, what I do like is that it's coming from the the artist first, right? Less than than the corporations. But again, but to your point, it's this double edged sword. You're only seeing their best work. You're seeing selective cases. They, you know, some are stealing oh, other people's work, it. you know, and, and claim yeah. it as their own. There's a lot of things, right? But I, I think if we can find a way to police that and keep and preserve the integrity, we try to do it with implying a pair and obviously with DIA by, hey, here's a room. People are going to see it firsthand. And, and if the room's full, then I think it shows that you have a you have influence, right? And, and then that's what almost all of our speakers do, if not all of them. But I, I, I do agree there needs to be more of a preservation. The only problem is the societies that have been in charge of it up till today have all been corrupt and, and, and influenced by some big brand. All of the organizations have. They wouldn't exist without public, like private support. 100%. 100%. And now, I mean, if you look at the board for the – I won't name the, the – <laughs> Name them. Right? But if you look at some of these – I've heard you've been these... spitting fire the past couple of months, Shane told me. <laughs> yeah get him dude get him <laughs> no I, you know what I, I mean look they come at me so i don't have a problem going at them and i mean look i, I know one of these big companies is already having meetings saying they're going to try to knock off dia and it's like great good for you but it, but if you look at these these organizations they have their board members or they're they're like okay aaid for instance it's all compromised of people that are the heads of education for all these big implant companies that's your board of trust you know the, your, your educational board faculty there you're going to take all this input from all these big companies so that it preserves their agenda. So at what point does this become a true, authentic, unbiased, authentic educational forum? Which, again, I think that Instagram's doing that. You're just also seeing some bad apples rise to the and top. And by the way, why does any corporate entity you know, promote education or have their you know, uh, unaligned foundation that does education? It, the end goal is to sell product. So by having them on the board, that is straight up, they're going to be biased. There's no way around it anyway. Well, they're not, and they're so. not just, but they're not just selling product. They're also selling membership into a perceived body, which will legitimize you in your practice. Right. And the question now is, yeah, that's right, and the question now is what's more dangerous and, and, and what's, and what's, and what's, and what's more dangerous. Right. And again, I'm not, I'm not bashing, I'm not bashing, AAID, you know, per se, um, if you looked at like the internal medicine uh, board, they were getting, they got sued by their own members, their own MD members, because they were making the board exam too hard, forcing people to have to take remedial courses and, and, you know, and more exams and whatnot, which would just stuff the coffers. You know, it's like they're, they're trying to find a way to now legitimize their own existence in, in you know, in, in bureaucracy. But here's the thing. When's the last time you saw an AAID commercial saying, hey, this is why you, as a patient, you should get an implant by someone from AAID or any of those organizations? If you look at them, because they're nonprofit, I actually pulled up their tax records. They spend absolutely nothing on awareness. So why would you spend all this money and all these things for this, this piece of paper to hang in your office as a validator when it has zero impact. You're going to tell a patient when they walk in, you could tell them that you went to Dr. Seuss's implantology course and it has the same impact as if you tell them it's AAID. Because again, that piece of paper is only as good but, as the But, but they legitimize it because, again, perception's everything. For everything that we're talking about, perception's everything. If you do one of these maxi courses, they're at the right universities, are they not? 
Well, some of them are now. I mean, I think they still have them in private uh, academies because, I mean, hell, Ed Mills was doing one in Atlanta for up until about three years yeah. ago. It was when sure. they moved it to Augusta. And, and he's a great course. I don't want to know. I mean, he's he's very talented. I, I, Ed's done a lot of great things when he was running that program. So I don't know why they moved it, but it was just in a private There's institution There's a lot of money in dental education, and everyone's trying to find a way to stand up and rise above the noise. However, you can increase perceived value in the same way that I do in my own practice when we talk about implants. I'm not the 899 guy because if you want that, you can go. Go see him. You want to be AID certified so you can tell everyone you're an implantologist and you know you can advertise. I mean, you know, so, so, so you can call yourself an implantologist. It used to not be legal as such because implantology is not a board like recognized by like the ADA. However, people sued claiming it infringed on their first amendment rights. And now you can call yourself an implantologist. There's actually nothing to hold you back from that. To your point, Blake, why aren't like the AID, ICOI, why aren't they marketing directly to patients? Because otherwise you're getting this piece of paper. Yes. By the way, it may just be for the education for yourself. And that's fantastic. But a lot of times it's for the dental community, but from a business perspective, who cares, right? That's technically your competition and colleagues or whatever, but to raise, like to grow your practice, they would, if one of them would come out and, and start marketing to patients and making that piece of paper, a big deal to the end user, the customer, that would matter a lot. That would actually be serious value. Well, that would be what they're supposed to be for, right? Advocacy. Look at Amos. Amos does a great job. I just job. put the blinders on. Uh, Amos. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm just an Amos guy. Thank you, Amos. Stop <laughs> giving these people ideas. Like, stop it. <laughs> no, I think Amos does a great job. You see commercials on Facebook all the time talking about why I go to an oral surgeon, why mm-hmm. I get checked out for you know all this stuff. And I think they do a great job as an organization supporting its members. I think AAD has its strengths. I just think that a lot of these organizations and, and but have been influenced so much by corporate control and that at the same time they're also shitting the bed on these conferences and the attendance is going down and the ROIs for the companies are going down. And at this point, it's not even in their control anymore. They're just riding a ship that's already set sail and they're just along for the ride. I think it's out of their control. I think that they don't even know how to be authentic and validate the organizations that to bring value and one, protect the patients, but two, also bring value to the clinicians who are spending, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to, to get this piece of paper from your organization. I absolutely think that they should spend 10 to 20% of their funds on advocacy to patients to where it may be. Because if not, it's really just for your ego and your colleagues, right? I mean, that's the only reason you got that paper, right? Other than that, you could go online and figure out how to do implants or go to courses with Nobel or whoever. Which, which a lot of people do. But you know, sure. you you guys, you guys, you, and you, know, you guys have brought up a point talented. with with Todd Schoenbaum on your on your previous podcast about <clears throat> the weekend warriors who take these weekend classes and go back. But um, something pertinent to follow up with, I, I get a lot of complications. I walk in my door, you know, you guys see, I post it all the time. But um, it's funny; it's the same people whose work you kind of just keep seeing over and over again, and you wonder what what happens to these like these dentists replacing implants so poorly. Um, they eventually stop, but it's not because the CDA puts them on probation or anything like that. It's actually not a government regulatory body. It's actually their private insurance, not insuring them to do implantology procedures anymore. I thought that was really interesting that people who advocate for like more governmental oversight and regulation, 
this is a case where clearly the, the private sector is doing a better job than, than the government could ever could in this case in terms of patient safety and advocacy. Yeah, I was going to say it was probably yeah. they just lost so much money having to redo implant cases, but eventually send it to you. Exactly. I do know that exactly. from like a legal from the legal side, no attorney's going to pick up that you botched a single implant case because there's not enough money in it. Um, so it's probably seeing, not that they're seeing, getting sued. You're seeing that change now. Surprisingly, you're seeing that change now. So so interesting, if you, if you look at the economics, and this is a completely different podcast, um, if you look at the economics of like med, med mal, um, a lawyer won't take a case unless there's at least like a $50,000 like, like settlement number for damages and whatnot, which into your, into your point chain, that usually is not enough for a single implant unless it's like aesthetic zone, you know, young female and like, she's going to raise all hell in a courtroom, you know, and she will win, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. These full arch cases, when they go bad, that's that's like a payday for any lawyer. And now you're seeing more lawyers get involved in dental mouth because of like these full arch cases. It used to be. Well, it used more to likely be, they're going to be a settlement, you know? Um, I'm just, I'm just saying lawyers tended not to look in dentistry and would only really stick with medicine because the payout in dentistry was never that high. The only thing that mm-hmm. was really that high was a case of like full mouth or like full mouth ortho where they move the teeth too quickly, the roots all resorbed, and now everything is gone. Right now, now with like these all on X's, now yeah, you know what's the arch to repair? My God, you know charge whatever. Now you're starting to see more more lawsuits in dentistry because of that. Well, and I think anything that deals with kids in general, that'll always be for a sure. you know fairly large payout for, sure. for the most part. But yeah, but you could, you know there's a time where you could you know medical case people die. And that's horrible, but that's where attorneys get money is when you lose a life or a limb or something like that. Right. Lose a tooth, not as big it's of a deal. Usually not as big of a deal, but now now, now again with like more people wanting to do full arch cases and whatnot, uh, I mean, patient protection is happening, but it's happening from the private sector. Well, and we brought this up a number of times and I'm going to bring it one more time. Just the the whole Zygo thing, that market's blowing up. We talked companies are pushing it. There's a bigger need for it. You know, patients are more accepting of it. And we're seeing massive failures as well um, where there's no other option, right? I predict, and Blake and I've talked about this a bunch, somebody's going to get their eyeball popped out from a weekend course. Yeah, the Icobomb. You know what I mean? Sure, the Icobomb. <laughs> yes. Of course. Of course. Well, and I mean, that's why you don't see that many Zygo courses being offered because people are nervous to take that on. And, and, and to whom they're offering it for. So I know like five years ago, Nobel would only advertise that course to, to, to OMFSs. They wouldn't advertise that to periodontists. Or general dentist, but now that line has been passed by 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 all companies. You know, there are general mm-hmm. dentists out there teaching zygomatic implants, catering to specifically other general dentists. So let me ask you this now: as we're getting to the end here, where do we see Nader Salib going in the next three to five years, teaching wise? What, what's your ideal scenario? What where do you what's what's in your roadmap here? Gosh, so so for me, I have I have like a really big balancing act. Um, I obviously have my private practice. I'm a solo practitioner. I have my family life, uh, which is most important to me. Um, and then I teach part-time at USC. I do research, although all my research is done through UCLA. And, and I lecture KOL stuff for like a few companies. Um, I work with Invista, Noel BioCare, and other extended family, uh, CareStream, work with uh, BioLace, WaterLace. And a few other companies, which I can't really talk about, um, you know, at the moment. 
I, I, I see my, I see myself kind of continuing the same. Um, I'm, I'm more selective now. I don't travel at a whim because, you know, I want to, I can be more selective. You know, I've, I've earned that, you know, and, and I appreciate like that status. I'm now more involved in product development, uh, training of, of clinicians, general dentists, as well as, you know, calibrating, you know, private staff for different corporations. You know, I, like I said, I, you know, and not to toot my own horn, I had, I had dinner last Monday with the president of Nobel. And, um, you know, now it's, now it's, a, I'm at a point where I'm not just trying to peddle someone's product, but I will look at your product really, really critically. I'll see how it applies to me in my practice, but I'll give you really honest feedback about how you can make your product better. I'm not shy for telling people they have the best average product out of the market, you know, which is something I tell people a lot. You know, it's a, I like that. It's a, it's a, it's a polite way to say your shit sucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and there's so many people who are saying, yeah, 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 I'll post about that or I'll do that or I'll place that or I'll try that. And, and I mean, look, the, the one thing that doesn't need to happen with Instagram is what's happened with um well, I won't name any names, but let's just say a few brothers out there that uh, have a certain reputation of uh, just. But but you will know you will know <laughs> you will know that person regardless of the platform. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you get an 100%. email, if you see it on Facebook, if it's on Instagram, if it's like whatever it is. And I know you're talking about. You look at them and you're like, oh, you're with this implant company. This year? and they're like, yeah, yeah, we saw the light. Like I thought you saw the light last year. You know, like you're so blind, you're so blinded by the bling, you can't see any light. Well, you can change, but if there's validation in the change, but it, you know, it, look at okay, let's take Roland right uh, with his. He's he's literally a spokesperson for Bisco. He's an employee with Bisco. You know, and he speaks, and no one questions what he says. They know he's you know obviously has somewhat of an agenda there, but he's authentic, and you can still be a sponsored KOL or sponsored person. And deliver that message for that company and be authentic and kill it and crush it for both the company, the audience, and everybody, and everybody wins. But it has to be authentic. And the moment it becomes less authentic and more about just the dollar and, and taking advantage of your influence and, and manipulating your audience for your own financial gain, that's when it backfires. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have one more question for you, and I want to bring it back to – because what you said, Dr. Bedrosian, and we should have asked this question probably 30 minutes ago. You said – the most important thing he told you is like, you know, why? Why are you doing this? So my question for you is, what is your why? Because we actually didn't get to that. And has that changed over the years? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I have, I have two kids. I have a four and a two-year-old. And about two years ago, I called up Allison Zigich, who used to be the head of training and education at Nobel BioCare. Now she's at the Ingle Institute. She's at the Ingle she's Institute. The English she's she's yeah, a yeah, wonderful yeah. person. If anyone yeah. out there like has the chance to meet her, meet her. She is like so inspiring. Funny. So so after Mike Vandenkoek had like checked off and said, yeah, we need to get this guy in for Nobel, she was like, well, I don't know. I have to check him out myself. And so she made me give a presentation in front of her and she critiqued my PowerPoint. You know, why are you using this, you know, colored fonts and this is different and that's different. Like she actually really, really cared. And um, a couple of years like into it, you know, the kids were born, life is really hectic. And um, I just called her up one day and said, why do I want to do this anymore? You know, she had moved on from Nobel and, you know, she was a good friend and, you know, she was someone I could really talk to honestly. And, you know, she said, uh, because you get to be a KOL 
And if you don't understand that, then don't waste your time. It was like, wow, you know, what is, what does that mean? You know, but again, not a salesman. We're talking about being like a real KOL. You know, you're at, you're at a point where, you know, if you need something, support is given to you. If there's a new product out there, you're the first one to try it out. Um, you're, you're not an advocate for product, but you're really a partner in trying to make that product even better. You know, your, your talents are recognized by the company to a point where, you know, you can have that partnership, you know, and that's, and that's important. You know, it's, it's important for me to, you know, to maintain the type of practice I have, you know, to be able just to get on a phone and just text like an executive or someone like, hey, I need XYZ done. You know, I'm doing a project with, um, with Todd Schoenbaum over at UCLA for like looking at peak and titanium abutments and seeing what type of bacteria grow on them, you know. It's cool. I could just text someone from Nobel. Hey, I need 20 of these abutments and 20 of these and 40 replicas. Boom. Done. No problem. Get sent. Great. I'm looking for a partnership to help me advance my goals and what I feel is the vision for my practice. In the same way that Bedrosian Senior said, you know, they can replace you. They can, you know, switch you out. That's fine. I can also replace them. But I always choose to have a really open and honest relationship you know, and, and Blake knows this because, you know, he's he's been approached by other companies who've wanted to work with me and um, and I may not use their product. I may show a post on Instagram or something like that, but um, I won't screw them over. It's too it's too small of a, of a community. You know, your name gets out there. Once your reputation's ruined, it's over. It takes you 100 years. I know. Once I started hanging out with Blake, it was over after that. It takes you 100 years to make your reputation, but five minutes to ruin it. You know, at that point, like... Are you are you just a salesman? You can be a salesman with like ten thousand followers on Instagram. You can do that. You can do that if that's what you want. Do that. You want some free fig scrubs? Do that. Great. You know. <laughs> but if you're if you're looking for something more, then then do it. You know. It has to be real. You, Marin Var, Pere. You know, look at Matthew Fine in Israel. There's a lot of people doing it very well. And letting this platform become a complement to what they're wanting to do, and 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 again, dude, I I give you so much credit for literally thinking of combining food and surgery. If anybody would have put that on the wall, I said that's a terrible idea, and went one hundred percent is a great idea. It has shown, and and, and you're crushing you. it, and I think it's great, and and it's inspiring to me because I'm trying to, you know, within Plank and Pair, we have a business agenda and stuff like that, so you, we still want to have a genre with it, but. You're one of the top 10 accounts that I think of that fully understand where this is going, what it is, how to leverage it, and the value it's going to bring to dental, both on the clinician side and the patient side. Actually, it's a three-way, uh, I think, benefit. It's really, it's, it's, it's also the companies as well. The companies are going to see that this is the only way, and they're going to have to work with people like you that understand there's a story to tell and not a paper post bullshit. And Saliba, I'm going to, I'm going to bash you a little bit. Cause you're, I think you're the reason now, every time I see your posts that when I see bloody pictures and things like that, I now get hungry. So <laughs> thanks a lot for that, my friend. <laughs> Bro, go to, go to SoCal with him and spend a night in, doing dinner. And it, I mean, it, it'll change your life, man. The dinner with Salib is just, it's stupid. It, it's, it's like you're living the, the Orange County life. for a I night. am awesome. all in on that. And with that, we're going to wrap the episode, everybody. 
Nader, really appreciate you taking the time, you know, right before Christmas and all that. We were excited to have you on. Um, and now I'm just going to make up some excuse to come out to Southern California and hang out with you. Anytime. You guys come out, I'll, uh, we'll, I'll, I'll cook dinner for you guys. We'll smoke a brisket. We'll do something for sure. Awesome. All right, guys. All right, brothers. Well, thanks for joining us on the All In Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the All In Podcast. See you next time.